But if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, if you would take it out and turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 in the precious Word of God. And if I sound like my voice is a little bit lower today, that's because it is. And um, I don't know, I, I seem to have uh, incurred the wrath of the sinus uh, infection. But uh, anyway, we are here in God's house and excited about what He is going to do and looking forward to our time in God's Word. And truly today is Palm Sunday and we mark that time when Jesus made His triumphant entry into Jerusalem and He set about to uh, really the, the week this week I want to encourage you to be thinking about and remembering and reflecting back on really one of the most important weeks of history. And uh, if you would, look with me in Luke chapter 19, and I want to begin reading, and I want to talk to you today about finding purpose on Palm Sunday, and I believe that God has a purpose for each and every one of us, amen? And I believe that we can find it right here in Luke chapter 19, look with me beginning in verse number 28, and the Bible says, and when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he had come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, wherein yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus say ye unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they were... And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. Verse number 33. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose you the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt. And they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto Him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones... The stones would immediately cry out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You for the fact that Your Word is truth. It's reliable. We can count on it. We can take it to the bank. Lord, we are men and women in need of a great Savior. And I'm so thankful that You are a great Savior. That You died on the cross not only for my sins and for the sins of those in this room and those who are watching online, but for the sins of the whole world. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, we know shall be saved. God, I pray that today, just for a few moments of time, You might clear the cobwebs from our minds and our hearts that we might be able to see that purpose that You have for each and every one of us on this most important Palm Sunday. Lord, I thank You for the opportunity to see people that we haven't seen in a while because of this COVID pandemic. Lord, it's good to see them back in Your house. Lord, it's good to be reunited with family. Lord, I pray that You will bless now our time. God, that You will be honored and You will be glorified by the things and the thoughts and the words that are said. 
And God will be careful to give you the praise and the honor for it. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray. And for His sake, amen and amen. Well, as I said, as I came to the lectern, uh, this morning we reflect back and we begin to remember what took place in one of the most important weeks in history. And after predicting his own death earlier, if you look back in Luke chapter 9, he had predicted his own death. The Bible gives us a prophetic phrase in verse number 51 of Luke chapter 9 by saying this. Now watch, it says, when the time was come. Now watch that phrase, when the time was come. It says this, it says that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So the moment that Jesus knew it was time for him to sacrifice his own life for the sins of the world, that's exactly what he set about to do. He was not about going here, there, or yonder. He was about getting to Jerusalem to do exactly what his father had sent him to do. And when we fast forward, look with me, when we fast forward to the beginning of our text in verse number 28, we find that the time had come. Because if you look in verse 28, the Bible tells us that Jesus is making His way, ascending up. Think about this. 3,800 feet above sea level, He's making His way to the city of Jerusalem. And if we look at the Gospel records, we know that Jesus would soon have His last meal with His disciples. He would face the ramifications of Judas' betrayal. He would feel the abandonment. Oh yes, he would feel the abandonment of Peter's denial, endure the mock trial, the cruel beating, and finally, crucifixion and burial. But before all this was to play out, we have this Sunday marked in history. We have this day marked in history. Before all of those things would play out, my friends, Jesus was received into the holy city of Jerusalem with joy. He was received with joy. There was a celebration like none other taking place at this time. In fact, if you look back in history, it's proven by history. You don't just need Scriptures. But the Jewish people had hoped. They had prayed for a Messiah to come. And now many of the Jews believed that their hopes and their dreams were coming true. Can I tell you that the situation for the Jewish people at the beginning of the third uh, decade in the first century, things were not good. In fact, things were quite horrible, if you please. They had prayed and prayed for a Messiah. But obviously, their ultimate reaction, as you'll see, even next week, even today and even next week, as you'll see their ultimate reaction that they had prayed for someone to come, did not match up with what Jesus did. They were looking for someone to come and to free them from the oppression of a foreign ruler. If you think about it, the Jewish people were looking for someone to set up an earthly kingdom. They were ready for their Messiah to squash the Romans of that day. They were looking for someone to come as a conquering king to set up an earthly kingdom where the Jews would be exalted and everybody else, well, oh well. It seems, though, as the Jewish people had been longing for another leader, if you look back in history, about 200 years prior to this, there was a man by the name of Judas Maccabees who had overthrown uh, the yokes, so to speak, of the Seleucid kings of Syria. And he had reclaimed Jewish independence for a season, if you please. And so it seems as if the Jewish people were like, man, let's get someone else that's going to come and set us free. Let's get someone that's going to establish our greatness. 
Ironically, this time of joy and many of those who cheered for Jesus as He made His way into Jerusalem would be the same ones condemning Him to die in just a few short days. As we have read, if you look at your text, as we read at the end of verse 29 and verse 30, the Bible reveals that Jesus was instructing two of His disciples to go into a nearby village. And He tells them that they would find a colt that no man had ever sat upon. And they would find this colt actually tied up and waiting. In John's Gospel, we learn that this animal is a donkey. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 2 and 3, we actually find out that there are two donkeys at play. And in verse 33 of our text, if you noticed it, we actually find out that there are two owners to this animal. Now you say, what's so important about there being two owners? It says that the owners ask the question. The important thing is to remember that they're not taking a donkey from some wealthy uh, herdsman. They're, They're taking the donkey from a couple of people who quite honestly couldn't afford to lose their animal. They were poor. They were not wealthy people. And although this may have seemed like a mundane task to the two, can you imagine the two disciples who were chosen? Jesus says, hey, listen, you're going to go over to the next village. You're going to find a donkey. The donkey's tied up. I want you to bring him to me. Uh, can, can Peter and John do that? Can somebody else do that? Can you imagine it was such a mundane task to be chosen by Jesus to go get this animal? But folks, I would assert that it was actually a vital component to the Palm Sunday event. In fact, this donkey, I would suggest, was born for this historic event. Think about it. This donkey was born for this historic event with God. I think about it, someone has said it this way, not only did Jesus use a donkey, but Jesus needed a donkey. Now it's going to begin to get real quiet because you're starting to think about, well, Why would Jesus use a donkey? You see, the donkey's creator was now ready to actually fulfill prophecy that had been given nearly five centuries earlier declaring a day, one day, that the true king, the true king would come. Not on a stallion, but on a donkey. And we find that prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, in verse number 9. Notice what the prophecy says. It says, rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, watch it, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon the colt, the foal of an ass. Oh yes, the donkey was born, you ready for it? For a purpose. The donkey was born for a purpose, to make a difference. You know, I was born for a purpose. You were born for a purpose. To make a difference to Almighty God. Back in that time, and even throughout time, if you please, donkeys have been used as work animals. And you know this quite honestly because of their ability to carry heavy loads. However, at first glance, when you think about the donkey, and some of you guys seem don't seem real excited that I'm talking to you about the donkey. But as you think about the donkey and you consider the donkey, donkey, it seems like an unlikely candidate to carry the King of kings and the Lord of lords into Jerusalem. But that's exactly what God had prescribed. So much so that if you look in Scripture, every gospel account, are you ready for this? Every gospel account writes about the donkey's role in this event. And quite honestly, 
Besides Jesus coming to Jerusalem, besides people waving palm branches, breaking off palm branches, aside from all of these things, what's the one thing most people remember the most about Palm Sunday? Is that Jesus came riding on this donkey. So what's the importance? What's the significance, if you please? I mean, why is this so incredibly important, Pastor, that you would talk to us today about finding purpose on Palm Sunday and you would be telling us about the donkey? I'm glad you asked. Two thoughts. Two quick thoughts this morning for you. By riding a donkey into Jerusalem, here it is. Number one, Jesus was establishing a new world order. By riding a donkey into Jerusalem, Jesus was establishing a new world order. You and I call it the kingdom of heaven. In Zechariah 9.9, as it said, it said by riding this animal into Jerusalem, Jesus was actually declaring His kingship. He was actually saying, yes, I'm the king. Is He your king today? If you look back at... Guys, if you'll show that passage there. Yeah, right there. It says, Behold, thy king cometh. Notice what it says. He cometh unto thee. And notice it says he is just. He has salvation and he's lowly. This verse reveals to you and I this morning that Jesus, as he rides the donkey into Jerusalem, he's saying, yes, I am the righteous one. Yes, I am the one who saves. Yes, I am humble. I don't come with pomp. I don't come with circumstances. But I'm coming to make a change. And that's what he did. By the way, he didn't just come to change Israel. He came to change the world. He was coming as a king. And for everyone who receives Him, things change. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and things don't change, there's a problem. If Jesus is your Savior and things in your life have not changed, there is a problem. Because the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you don't have a new mindset, if you don't have a new stick to it, if you don't have a new heart attitude, then you might want to talk to the Savior this morning. Because things change. It seems far-fetched that Jesus had a purpose for a donkey, but He did. Amen? <laughs> seems so far-fetched. Why a donkey? Why not get a big old white stallion and ride that stallion in there? You see, because when Jesus sat on the back of this animal and He rode into Jerusalem, He was setting things in motion, creating, establishing a new world order. He was saying, guess what? I am the King of kings. I am the great I am. I am in control. I am going to tear down all the fundamental walls of your religiosity. And guess what? That's exactly what He did. Secondly, by riding the donkey into Jerusalem, Jesus was activating the events leading to the cross. He was activating the events leading to the cross. And this week, I want to encourage you to meditate on that, to think on that, to study that, to look into Scripture and to be reminded of exactly what Jesus set in motion. And you and I know from John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if we go on to verse 17, we actually know that God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world might be saved. 
But folks, I would suggest, and here's where I'm going to get some looks, I would suggest to you this morning that if Jesus had not shown up riding a donkey into Jerusalem, He would not have been arrested. He would not have been beaten. He would not have been crucified for our sins at that time. But you see, the time had come. This was, Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. But this time he came riding a donkey. This time he came fulfilling prophecy. This time he came to activate the events that led to his crucifixion. Wow. His arrival on a donkey put things into motion. As we'll celebrate next Sunday, Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection created a path a pathway, if you please, to redemption for anyone who believes and receives Him as their Lord and Savior. And again, a lowly donkey is an essential part of God's amazing plan. How amazing is it to think that this donkey fulfills an incredible purpose on that day when He brought Jesus to Jerusalem. And it may not make sense to us, it doesn't make sense to me. Even when I look in Scripture and I can say, yes, He's fulfilling prophecy, it doesn't make sense that God would use a donkey to come into Jerusalem. But you know, the Bible tells us that God's thoughts, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the Bible tells us this, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And if you go on in verse number 9, it continues and says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways greater than ours and His thoughts than our thoughts. Listen, God doesn't think like you and I do. His ways are not our ways. If you look back in verse 31, look, in verse 31, Jesus told His disciples that if any man asked Him, asked them why you're untying the animal, He said, just tell them, because the Lord has need of him. The bottom line is that the Lord was relying on this donkey to carry him into Jerusalem. You say, what's the point? The bottom line is that the Lord is relying on me. He's relying on you. He's relying on us to carry Him into the uttermost part of the world. You said, did you just call me a donkey? Would you rather be a lamb or a donkey or both? See, lambs aren't very smart. Hmm. The Lord is relying on us, folks. We I put it in my notes. Here's how I put it. We are the mechanism of transportation or distribution that God has chosen to use to build His kingdom. The donkey carried Him to Jerusalem. You and I are to carry Him to the world. What say ye? You see, before Christ, without understanding, we were all tied down in sin. You see, the donkey was tied down. Before Christ, we were blind. We were all tied down in sin. But here's the, here's the sad part. You see, after Christ comes in, after things are supposed to become new, many times, sometimes, we choose to tie ourselves back up in sin. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of sin. We go, yippee, 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 yippee. And then what do we do? We go back and we lasso ourselves to some other type of sin, some other type of sadness. But friends, Palm Sunday is another reminder that Jesus came to set us free. He came to set us free from our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. He came to set us free from things like guilt 
He came to set us free from things like anxiety or fear or anger or even hatred. He came to set us free and actually to provide an example for you and I that we could actually forgive one another. You know, it's funny that we love Jesus forgiving us, but we're the world's worst at forgiving one another. But that's the example He set. Man, He came to set us free from our sinful obsessions. He came to set us free from anything else that might keep us tied down. And in our text, what's pretty apparent to me is if you look at it, the donkey was of no use to the Lord. He was of absolutely no use to the Lord while he was tied down. But as soon as they set him free, he was of great use to the Lord. Verse number 36. Look with me, the Bible says, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. I don't know about you, but what a scene this must have been. Remember, people, there's a multitude of people in front of Jesus. There's a multitude of people behind Him. And they're all gathered around. There's people watching and, and gathering and celebrating what He's been doing. And the Bible says that they spread their clothes in the way. And, and I don't know, before they reached the city, you can read other passages of Scripture where they were breaking off palm branches and singing. And, and they're putting all these garments. Not only did they put garments on the donkey, so that Jesus would be able to sit on the donkey comfortably, but they actually laid garments on the path. And so what you see is this donkey is making his way or her way to Jerusalem. Jesus is riding, but Jesus isn't stepping on the garments. The donkey is. You say, what's the big deal? You see, when the donkey was being used for Jesus, he became an extension of Jesus. They were honoring the donkey as they honored Jesus. Can you imagine? I don't know about you, if you've ever seen the movie Shrek, I kind of have a wild sense of humor. Can you imagine that donkey? Just a smiling, taking Jesus on into Jerusalem. He's like, I bet you guys never got clothes laid out before you. But you see, it wasn't because that donkey was great. It was because Jesus was great. Oh, my friends, think about it. You and I have a wonderful opportunity as extensions of Jesus. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. The Bible says that we are to be witnesses into all the world. Woo! Woo, I'm feeling better. We're to be the salt and light of the world. This city is not to be hid under a bushel. No, Woo, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, my friends, we have a job to do. We have a purpose on Palm Sunday. Look with me. Go back and look at verses number 37 and following. The Bible says, And when He, Jesus, was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among them, the multitude said unto Him, Notice what they say, The Master, Rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Folks, as extensions of our Lord and Savior, I want you to know, it's okay to get loud. It's about time the church of the living God got loud. Not just Baptist churches, not just Methodist churches, but every church that calls upon the name of the Lord. It's about time we got loud. By the way, you know what? 
It ruffled the feathers of the Pharisees in that day. And I got some news for you. If you get loud for Jesus, it's going to ruffle some of the Pharisees' feathers today in 2021. People don't like the name of Jesus. But guess what? Jesus said there's no other way to get to heaven but by Him. He said He was the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by Him. Oh, I'm getting wound up today. Oh, our excitement for the Savior ought to be what we're excited about today. Our Lord has given us a job to do. We're to carry Jesus to the world. He's the only one that can change the leper's spot. He's the only one that causes the blind to see. He's the only one that sets the captive free. Oh, my friends, the status quo, I put down in my notes, the status quo of the secret, silent Christian has got to go. we got to get loud for Jesus. You want to know why? Because people need the Lord. Not because you're great or I'm great, but because Jesus is great. On Palm Sunday, of all Sundays, we ought to start reflecting. We ought to start remembering. We ought to start rejoicing in what our God, our Savior has done. Look at verse 41. I didn't read it earlier. But as I begin to wrap up, Look at verse 41. The Bible says that Jesus stopped and He wept. He stopped and He wept as He beheld the city of Jerusalem. Folks, the word wept there literally means to mourn, to weep, to lament. It speaks of weeping. Are you ready for this? As a sign of pain. It speaks of weeping as a sign of grief for the things signified or to mourn Watch it for the dead. I'm guessing, I'm guessing other than some of you big old burly guys that say, I don't cry. I don't ever cry, Pastor. Don't ever ask me if I cry. I don't shed no tears for nobody. Well, other than those two or three that are unwilling to tell the truth, I'm guessing that we have all wept. Or if you haven't wept, I'm guessing at least you have witnessed someone else weeping at the passing of a loved one. I've had the opportunity to observe this many times while serving others. And I can tell you, this type of grief that the Bible is speaking of is hard. This type of mourning can sometimes, if you've ever been, I remember years ago I was when I first joined the Marine Corps, one of the first things they put me on was funeral detail. And I was sent out and they taught us everything that we needed to know for funeral detail. And I remember I was down in Wilson, North Carolina. Didn't know the family. But I went into one of these churches. Man, there was wailing like I had never heard wailing before. And it was the first time I had been to a funeral since the funeral of my mom when I was 10 years old. And I sat there and I'm in dress blues, and I'm supposed to just stand there. I started weeping like a baby. Seeing their grief, understanding what they were going through, reminded me of what I had gone through and what I had suppressed for so many years in my life. Right here where it says that Jesus stopped and wept as He beheld the city of Jerusalem. Folks, I want you to know that Jesus wasn't just having a sad moment. He wasn't just having a little quick 
moment for himself. He wept deeply over Jerusalem. And he wasn't weeping over the buildings. He wasn't weeping over all the other things. He was weeping over the people. You see, because Jesus knew that in a matter of years that the city of Jerusalem would be sieged by Roman armies. He knew that in a matter of years over a million men, women, and children would die. He knew that in a matter of years nearly a hundred thousand people would be taken into slavery and that the temple would be broken stone by stone by stone. He knew all of this. He wept. He wept in advance of those days knowing what would happen to all those precious people. Watch it. He wept in advance of those days knowing that all of those precious people who did not and would not recognize the time of His coming to them. He's going into Jerusalem. We talked about last week that He went immediately to the temple to clean out the temple. But He knew that there were people who would not recognize Him. That they would not believe that He was the Messiah. And so He's looking ahead in time and He's weeping He's weeping over their soul and eternity. Oh, my friends, Palm Sunday. I just give you a few nuggets as we wrap up. Palm Sunday teaches us that Jesus loves people. He loves people. And just like back then, it still breaks His heart today when people reject Him. He still weeps when people reject Him. Oh, friends, if you're here or you're watching online and you've never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, I can tell you His desire and my prayer is that you would do that right now, this morning. You just simply, if you really know that you're lost, you know that you don't have a home in heaven, you know that you have never called out upon the name of the Lord, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your own personal sins, not your dad's sins, your mom's sins, or your brother or your sister's sins, but you personally have never asked the Lord to forgive you, I beg you, do it right now. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know what to say. You just say that. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my life. I need you to change me from the inside out. Oh, listen, Palm Sunday teaches us that Jesus loves people. Palm Sunday also reminds us that Jesus came to untie us and to set us free on purpose for a purpose. He did it on purpose for a purpose so that you and I, like that donkey of old, might carry Him to the uttermost part of the world. Oh yes, Palm Sunday frees us to once again reflect and remember what Christ has done. Palm Sunday is also an occasion when you and I can take just a millisecond and ask ourselves what, it need, what needs to be untied in my life. Is there something that I, by choice, if I'm a believer, is there something that I have tied myself up with that is keeping me and prohibiting me from carrying Jesus to this world? You see, Jesus has a purpose and a plan for every one of our lives. He wants you to be effective. Palm Sunday, lastly, is a wonderful opportunity for us as believers to make a new commitment to carry Jesus Christ to the uttermost part of the world. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal, just like in Jesus' day, is that people without Christ will die and go to an eternity separated from God. How could we ever want that for anyone? You know, the Bible talks about loving your enemies. And I think I shared with some folks on Wednesday night that I was talking with a gentleman recently and I was trying to encourage him to love others and 
And he says, well, I know what Scripture says. I'm to love others, but I don't have to like it. I don't know. I could debate that for hours. It doesn't matter who it is. How could you ever want someone to be separated from God for all eternity? Friends, Palm Sunday is a great reminder that God has a purpose for us. You can find your purpose. You say, I'm not saved. His purpose today is for you to be saved. If you say you're already a believer, His purpose for you is to re recommit yourself to being that, that, that mechanism, that source of transportation, if you please, that carries Jesus to the world. Oh, that's the purpose that He has for us today on Palm Sunday. As we prepare to celebrate His death, His burial, and His resurrection next Sunday. Oh, yes. Oh, the tomb is empty now, as they sang earlier. Listen, ain't no grave going to hold us down. Oh, what a great Savior we have. But don't you want others to know about Jesus as well? Oh, I pray that this is a church that wants people to know that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Just like you have heard the joyful sound that Jesus saves, there are multitudes that still need to hear that message. And I pray that you will commit yourself right now to being the one to carry Him to the world. Father, we thank You for Your love. God, we thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house. Lord, Palm Sunday truly is a wonderful reminder of Your love. It's a reminder that You have set us free. It's a reminder that we have a purpose in Your plan to carry Your love, Your truth, Your Word to the world. Lord, I pray that each of us would decide in our own hearts and our own lives to do exactly what You have called us to do. To love others so much that we cannot help but to be joyful. To love others so much that we cannot help but to shout out our love and really to be loud for You. Not in an obnoxious way, but in a loving and a godly way. Lord, I pray for those that are watching, those that are here in the room. If there's somebody in our midst that has never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sins, I pray that they would do that right now, that they would simply ask You to forgive them. They would ask You to come into their life and begin to change them from the inside out. Lord, we love You. We thank You for the time that we've had to hear the choir sing songs of praise and worship to You. Lord, we thank You for the time that we've had in Your Word to be reminded that You even had a purpose for a donkey. So Lord, that reminds us that You must have a purpose for us. Lord, we love You. We thank You and praise You for what You'll do during this time of invitation. For it's in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and for His sake we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.